What does true wellness mean to you? I'm Claudia Cometa, and that is the question I will be leading with in the Minding Wellness podcast. Each and every week, I will bring you experts who will share their personal wellness journeys and their insights into what it means to mind our wellness. Health is a state of body. Wellness is a state of being. Let's dive into improving our state of being. This week on the Minding Wellness Podcast, I bring you Teresa Lodato. She is an executive leadership and relationship coach, speaker, and best-selling author of Why Aren't You Listening to Me? She is a lover of people, connection, community, and relationship who teaches how increasing self-awareness and deepening the relationship to self naturally elevates your work and personal life, creating opportunities for fulfillment and joy. Now, you may be wondering how this ties into wellness, and believe me, we tie this in as we talk about her journey of being a financial advisor and how the shifts in her own wellness and the presence of dis-ease sort of forced her to make a pivot and start to pay attention and have more body awareness and intentionality moving forward with her self-care and her relationship to self as she then forged and created nourishing relationships with others. So I believe that you will have a great amount of insights from this episode and I look forward to hearing those insights. Enjoy. All right. The magical world of the interwebs has connected me with <laughs> Teresa Lodato, and I'm so excited to bring her to the podcast today. I know that she will have so much value to impart on all of you, and I can't wait to dive in. Thanks for being with us, Teresa. Oh, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. So we always start with the question of what does true wellness mean to you? And I would love to know what it means to you. Well, since I am a relationship coach, among other things, true wellness to me means harmony and balance in relationships and in life. Mm. So that's a really short and sweet, but I feel so strongly <laughs> that if I can help shift the paradigm in the world and help people to have healthier, more supportive, um, strong relationships with everyone around them, it just makes your entire life move with so much more flow, grace, and ease. I love that. I also love how you say it. It makes it even more powerful. You know, I feel like the, <laughs> the spoken word, even though I can't see you because we're doing this virtually, uh, you know, I feel like there's so much, I could just see the body language just tying into that. So I love, love, love it. We're going to obviously unpack a lot of the work that you do. Um, let's start though with a kind of a background of how you got to this place in your life and the work that you do. So kind of where your journey starts and how it leads you to today. Sure. So uh, all my life, I've always been the person that people have come to, to seek advice or to, um, you know, share things with. I'm one of those people where strangers will walk up to me on the street and just share their life story and then look at me and go, I don't know why I told you all that. <laughs> so I just must have a natural way of being that encourages people to 
to speak openly with me. I create a space of trust. And so I was a financial advisor for many years with a large Wall Street firm until a chronic health condition, well, actually, a, a, I have chronic migraines, but I developed a secondary condition that ended up ending my career in financial services. And during my time as a financial advisor, I really was able to help my clients to feel open to discuss all these really challenging aspects of life you know, death, what's going to happen if I should die, if I should go out on permanent disability? How do I want to, you know, share my legacy? Um, how can my, my partner and I get on the same track as far as, you know, making investment decisions? And so when I had to um, leave, leave my career and kind of reinvent myself, you know, it was kind of a natural extension for me to study uh, consciousness and transformative psychology, as well as um, eventually getting into coaching. And, you know, certainly with coaching, I feel like, you know, I look back on my life and I go, oh, these are all the dots. <laughs> there are, are the lines that connect all the dots uh, throughout my life because I truly feel that doing the work that I'm doing now is what I am meant to do in this life. It's my passion. It's what gets me excited. You know, I wake up in the morning and I'm just excited to speak with my clients. I'm excited to go out and share my knowledge, share tools, and just help people to create better relationships because I've just recognized over my life how important it is and how much, like I said, more easily your life will flow because we're all going to have challenges. Challenges are always going to be present in our lives. But if we can have supportive, healthy relationships, man, it just makes life worth living. Mm, I absolutely agree and would love to just sort of dive in a little bit deeper into some of these parts, um, one of which being uh, you know, and I don't know as a financial advisor, if you found yourself sort of in the, you know, hustle type A mentality, I don't know that about you, but you can certainly share and how, how the way that you were in that business and the health conditions that kind of arose and made you look at things a little bit different and possibly pivot. How did that sort of all play out? And do you feel like that secondary health condition and you're welcome to share or not share the details on that? Did that play the most important role in sort of forcing you to make a pivot? Um, and so kind of unpack some of that for us. <laughs> Certainly. You are spot on with everything. Uh, yes, uh, chronic health, um, the chronic migraines, I do think were exacerbated by my type A personality, being a financial advisor, especially being a strong woman in a male-dominated industry. I think that it's really natural for us as women. Well, it's not natural, but it's something that we do. Every, most women, I shouldn't say everyone, most women will do that, especially if they're in a male-dominated industry. You start taking on the approaches, the structures, the framework, the practices of the people that are around you. And so I started taking on all these really strongly held masculine values, which every one of us has masculine and feminine values within us. So there's, there's nothing wrong with that. However, as a woman, when I was doing so many masculine values, I was taking action, I was taking charge, I was creating structure, I was disciplined, all of these things, 
they're great in life. However, I wasn't doing anything to honor the feminine values that needed to be honored within myself. I wasn't creating space for joy. I wasn't creating space for play or free time. I wasn't fully embracing my own intuitive gifts. There were so many things that I was just out of balance. And I think that's why I suffered from chronic migraines for so many years. And then when I essentially burned out my nervous system and developed a rare and serious form of migraine called hemiplegic migraine, I actually get paralyzed down the left side of my, uh, my body with that condition. And that really was the turning point for me. Um, at the time, I was um, in a really difficult, challenging, almost toxic marriage. Um, I was, you know, suffering emotional abuse. And, um, you know, that kind of brought everything to a head because I just wasn't listening to my body. And so after, you know, I was in the hospital for five days and doctors figured out what was going on with me, you know, and my husband at the time didn't even come to visit, didn't even call once to check and see how I was doing. And I had been taken, you know, away by paramedics five days earlier, you know, with half of my face <laughs> paralyzed. And that was really kind of an eye-opening moment for me. I thought, oh my gosh, I need to leave this man. This relationship is not healthy for me. And then in addition, I got the sobering news from my doctors who said, that I was never going to work a day in my life ever again because of this condition. And so both of those things were just like a ton of bricks, you know, hitting me on the top of my head. And I just made the decision that I need to change my life. I need to go about this differently. And so in my own healing journey, you know, I, I divorced my, my husband and I created a relationship with him because we share a son. And so I needed to figure out a way to create a relationship with a toxic person while mitigating their impact on my life, while also establishing healthy boundaries and, you know, and positive relationship modeling so that we could make this work. And, you know, fast forward, we actually have a really great co-parenting relationship. We're told by people all the time that they're just astounded at you know, how we work together. And these are people that may or may not know the toxic nature of my ex-husband. But along the process as well, my own healing journey, I learned additional tools and resources that helped me to really embrace what the feminine aspects of myself are, you know, the play, the joy, uh, the the ease, the flow, like I said, you know, really tapping into my body wisdom so that I can stop myself when I'm starting to get stressed. I've got practices to reduce and re alleviate that stress. I'm listening to my body constantly for the information that it's providing me. And because I'm able to do that now, because I have all these tools, all these uh, arrows in my quiver. I am able to design my business and number one, be able to work again, you know, as an entrepreneur, but also I, I've built my business in a different way, much different way than I did 
when I was a financial advisor. Now I allow myself, I actually schedule in time in my day and on my yearly calendars, I'm looking forward for time off, for rest, for play, for joyful exercises. And I'll tell you, being an entrepreneur, even though it was entrepreneurial being a financial advisor, being a true entrepreneur with no support system behind you is really even more stressful. And I just can't believe that I'm able to work as effectively and still have all of my health conditions under, you know, being well managed with creating my work in this new way, this new paradigm. Mm, there's just so much, so much goodness here that um, just makes my mind kind of go a million miles an hour wanting to unpack so much of this. <laughs> you know, um, I, I can, I can hear so much of your story and I can relate it to so many other women who I've talked to and, you know, men too, a lot of us just kind of, kind of get wrapped up into societal ways. And, um, but I do appreciate you pointing out the the sort of impacts of, females working in a male dominated society and how that has impacted your journey. And it reminds me of sort of how Oprah talks about how we get these whispers and we, if we don't listen, then they become bricks to our head. And you literally said bricks. So I was like, well, I was already thinking that and we're already on the same page. So so you kind of got to a point where you were trying to be everything for everybody. You know, the, the wife, the mom, the financial advisor that the people wanted, the coworker to the males that you were working with, like you were trying Mm -hmm. to be everything everything. And it came to a head with first the migraines that were not necessarily completely debilitating. And then it became a much more debilitating picture that forced you. So now it's no longer a choice. It's like, I, this something yes. has to give. And, yes. <laughs> um, and, and I think that that, you know, I think a lot of people can really resonate with that because we try as women, I feel like, and probably a lot of men too, but since we're, we're both females and we can speak from, from our own experience, we try to keep going. Like everybody needs mm-hmm. us. Our, you know, our kids need a, our, a lot of times our parents need us too. Um, you know, the coworkers, yes. everybody needs us. So we don't have the luxury of giving ourselves that space. And I was not, I, have been in that place where it's like, okay, book out my, you know, let's book out my calendar. Let's have it as booked as possible. Let me be everything to everybody. Mm -hmm. And now it's Mm -hmm. like, I can't wait till I see a day where, you know, like I look, I'm, I'm excited about the days where it's like, all I have (laughs) is this one amazing podcast interview. What an amazing day that's going to be. So (laughs) I can relate to, to really a lot of, of what you're saying. Would you say now, I know you're, you know, relationship coach and expert now. So let's kind of dive into the relationship concept here. Would you kind of say you had to go from a others focused relationship standpoint to a start back the relationship with yourself, learn, you, you know, you talked about body wisdom, um, kind of reconnect with who you are and what relationship you have with yourself before you then went out and, um, forged healthy relationships with others or how, so how did the relationship shift happen for you? Sure. So, you know, like I said, I think that I've always, you know, I'm just innately a relationship person. You know, in my book, I talk about different personality types and I truly am a collaborator, which is someone who, you know, cares about people, who cares about the relationships. And so that's something that's always been part of just who I am. And I think you said it very succinctly. You know, I was very concerned about my relationship with others. And in that process, you know, when 
we as individuals are constantly caring for others, um, you know, and this is, you know, the battle cry of so many, you know, moms, you know, we're taking care of everyone else. When that happens, we start to almost bleed into the people that are around us. And there's that old adage that says, you know, you are the sum of the five people that are closest to you. And I, when I heard that a few years back, I thought, you know what, that is so true because if we are constantly expending our energy outwards, then we're actually kind of bleeding in and blending with the people around us. And, and in kind of a, a odd way, we end up taking on a lot of the traits of the people that are around us. And so if you're surrounded by people that are unhealthy, you could start um, you know, having behaviors or um, taking on you know, word choice or intonation or so many aspects of communication and kind of making it your own. And so it's so critical to first come back to self. And in fact, that's what I, you know, tell all of my clients that I work with in every presentation I give, you know, I share the importance of the relationship to self. Everything starts with yourself. And when we do that, when we align ourselves with our core values in life and we live our life from those core values, it naturally allows us to create healthy boundaries. And then it becomes kind of like this positive cycle that moves forward. When you do this, then it lines up for this next thing and then the next thing. And I think that when we have a strong and deeper connection with our body, you know, through body wisdom, through self-awareness, through self-love, then we're able to stand strong in who we are and be the person that, you know, be the best person that we can be in all of our relationships. So that's absolutely a critical role. And, you know, I just want to touch on one other thing, you know, that you had mentioned just before this, you spoke about how busy we get in our lives and how we're always going, going, going. And when we do that, we forget that there's a connection you know, to ourselves that needs to remain strong. As in any relationship, the more energy, the more attention you put on deepening, increasing, bettering that relationship, the stronger the bond becomes. And so if we're constantly out there in the world and we're not fully connected with ourselves, then the bond to ourselves is not as strong as it could be. And my God, out of everyone in the world, the most important bond should be to yourself. Because if you don't have your body, then you don't have a life. And so it's just absolutely critical for me to teach people and to model for people how to increase that relationship with yourself so that it can just change the world around you. Gandhi was so right. Be the change you want to see in the world. <laughs> and, you know, and that's really what it's about. Be that change. Be who you are. We're so incredible. Each of us has so much uniqueness and beauty. My God, the world is hungry for you to be who you are. They don't want some washed out version of, you know, the blending of people that are around you. They want you to be fully who you are. People are waiting for you in this world. 
they're people who are longing for the kind of relationship and love and attention that you can give them. They're waiting for you. So by all means, strengthen that bond to yourself and then live your life with purpose. Yes, 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 yes. To all of that. I think about, as you talk about this, you know, the shifts that I've made in my own life and that I've seen others make. And for me, this practically looks like, again, making sure that I have clearings in my calendar, but also that I'm quieting most of the external noise. So instead of my mm-hmm. through social media, you know, I really am extremely and have been for the last really since the beginning of this year, so the last couple of months, extremely intentional about quieting that noise. Because then if I'm not filling my spaces in my day with, with all of that, all of that, which is not necessarily even truth, it's just a highlight reel, it's just a story, and it doesn't necessarily have any positive impact on my life or doesn't help me connect to myself, then I'm able to spend the time to you know, listen to valuable content, to do guided meditations. I wonder how in your life, what does it look like practically as you have made this shift? What sort of things do you do in your day that you didn't used to do? What changes in your calendar? So kind of practically, how does that look for you? Mm -hmm. Great question. So really everything in my life and what I, you know, teach to others is about becoming conscious you know, I love uh, I love the movie Matrix because uh, you know it was it was so impactful when it came out, and I felt like I was screaming at the screen, going yes, 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 <laughs> and not necessarily because of how they uh, you know the story of it, but rather the. Uh, the critical point where he had the choice between the two pills, the red pill and the blue pill, you know, do you want to remain asleep? Do you want to remain unconscious or do you want to be awakened? Do you want to start getting conscious and know the truth? And that really resonated with me because when we are scrolling through social media, when we are, you know, just going from, you know, one thing to the next, to the next, to the next throughout our day, when we've got um, allowing our mind to just kind of take over, then we're no longer using our mind. Our mind is no longer the servant. We need to use our mind. Our mind is a tool. The mind is not the master of who we are. And if we can remember that and embrace that, remaining conscious then what we can do is apply our mind skills, apply the structure, apply a framework, have a schedule to our day, you know, do those things that create the structure, but then we ease off and we allow ourselves to be conscious and present and so that we can choose in each and every moment how we want to move throughout our day. We allow for everything to flow in our lives. And one of the best practices that I learned many years ago was really about just getting present. Presence helps everything. Number one, it calms, you know, your overthinking monkey mind. Number two, it allows the people that are around us to feel like you're really hearing them. And it also allows other to, others to really hear you. Uh, you know, it also enables us to think with clarity, to tap into our own wisdom, our own knowledge. And I think having that practice has been extremely beneficial. But number two, 
just how I structure my days. It's no longer what the outward demand is. The, the structure of my days comes from within. You know, I may have, uh, you know, phone calls or, you know, I might be planning to even go to the gym first thing in the morning, for example. If I wake up and I, you know, tap into my body and I feel into what my body needs on that particular morning, it may not be going to the gym and doing a boot camp class. It might be going to the gym and doing yin yoga. It might be going, you know, going and sitting in the hot tub or the sauna, or it might be just sitting out on my back deck overlooking you know, the beautiful grassy area behind my home and listening to all the birds and the frogs and, and all the creatures that are, you know, out in the morning while I'm sitting, having a cup of tea and just breathing. It really is about just tuning into what your body needs and allowing space for things to change. You know, I think that's one of the other feminine values that uh, a lot of people unconsciously rebel against, you know, this idea of change is bad. You know what? Change is part of life. Everything is growing and changing. And if it's not, then it's dying. So, you know, it's really time for people, in my opinion, to embrace change, to recognize where they can make adjustments, allow that space for change in their own life so that they can create a life that is healthy and balanced. My gosh, when you have a balanced life and you're embracing all of the masculine values as well as your feminine values within you and you blend them together in the right combination, oh, life just becomes, it becomes easy and it becomes joyful. Uh, just a pleasure, a pleasure to be alive. <laughs> yes, I can, I can share in that. And I do, I actually did a whole episode, a solo episode about impermanence and about us seeing impermanence and change as not something to fear. And that's, that's good and bad, right? So good, you know, clinging mm -hmm. that we love and feeling like we could never let go. Um, and also not wanting the bad things. And so it kind of goes both ways, but it's just so such an important concept that, um, you know, in Buddhist teachings really says is, is a large part of our suffering. So, and I love that you pointed out becoming conscious and not um, worrying about outward demands. I think we do get, and that's, you know, the, all of the external force, forces and noise. And, um, and a, a lot of it is, you know, self, we self-impose a lot of demands based on what we think is the way of the successful being and, you know, and, and the way of the world. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. So much self-imposition of um, a lot of stories, a lot of stories that really have no basis in truth. So just challenging those, those stories that we tell ourselves. You, what you did mention, I, so much goodness. What, one thing that you mentioned that I wanted to dive into too is when you said, you know, sometimes I'm just going to go on my patio and take a deep breath. And some of your work that I've um, looked at, you've mentioned breathing and how a lot of us breathe in a shallow way. And I honestly, I didn't even realize I was doing this until when I was, you know, <laughs> going through the grief process with my own father. And, and I would go to the acupuncturist and she would say, she would keep pointing out that I was breathing in a shallow way. And I honestly never was conscious of the type of breathing. I, you know, it was just, it's like, you just take for granted that you're going to breathe and you're going to stay alive. Mm -hmm. Right. And I just mm -hmm. never paid any attention to that. And when I started noticing that and being more intentional about that, 
it was really significant what what intentional breathing can do. So can you dive a little bit into into sort of why you find so many women are unintentionally breathing in a shallow way and how you in your own life pay more attention to to that? Sure. So yeah, everybody, you know, it seems like everyone that I work with, it's just, I think especially as women, but men do it too. I think it's just natural when we have that stress response enacted in our lives. You know, we've, we've triggered the stress response. And unfortunately, in our modern world, it's so easy for those stress chemicals to just constantly flood our body. Some people are better at kind of shutting them off, but everyone kind of gets triggered with that. And I think when we're in that state of fighting or fleeing, trying to decide which, it's natural for us to breathe a little bit more shallow. You know, think about times when you've been really afraid in your life. You end up breathing really shallow. You're not taking those <sighs> breaths, right? You know, you're thinking, oh my God, I've got to go here. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. That's that shallow breathing. And so it just becomes a pattern in your life. And it's so important to take those deep breaths, especially in the way that I teach, because it enables your vagal nerve to really calm down. It essentially uh, enacts your parasympathetic nervous system, which tells your body that it's safe. There are so many women in particular that I work with that have a value when we start working with their values and their beliefs and their patterns. They realize, I don't feel safe. And that's kind of how our, our world exists right now. There's so much information coming at us. There's so much that we have to monitor as women. You know, I won't go into, you know, the, the daily life of, you know, the average woman where she has to feel like she has her defenses up at all times. But that really creates these uh, these stress hormones to flow. And man, when you are locked in stress, when you're constantly being flooded with, uh, you know, adrenaline and cortisol and all these things, it's no wonder we as humans are experiencing so many stress-related health conditions. Doctors have been saying it for years. Reduce the stress in your life. Reduce the stress. You know, but, and, you know, people will try different methods, but not everything works for everyone except for breathing. And I'll tell you, if you take the conscious effort, if you make just time, and, and I do this throughout my day as well, take time to just take three deep breaths in you know, it'll lower your stress dramatically. It'll lower your heartbeat dramatically. You know, nurses, I've uh, shared this with nurses who use it, and they say that their patients, you know, they'll take their blood pressure, they'll do the breathing exercise, and then they'll take their patient's blood pressure again, and it's dramatically lower. And it's so simple to do. Everyone can do it. It's just taking five slow breaths in through your nose and then you pause and then you exhale slowly through your mouth to the count of seven. And when you do that, like I said, it engages the parasympathetic nervous system. 
you start to feel more calm. Your mind, it's not as uh, confused and overthinking. It starts to calm down because it's a signal telling your body, hey, you know what? You're safe. There's nothing to be frightened of. There's nothing to fight or flee from. You're here right now. You can be calm. And from that calm center, it's kind of like the, the, the eye of the hurricane. Instead of being in all those high winds that are whipping around with everything going 100 miles an hour for you, you relax into that calm center where you can have clarity and peace and just, you know, time and space. You know, it's like the world pauses just for a few moments. So it's so powerful to do. Yes, I'm so glad that we touched on this in a deeper way because I do think that we take for granted some of these simplistic ways in which we can support our body and tell our bodies that we're safe. And I think that there is a lot of fear going on. You know, we historically as beings, you know, have have feared things that were were worth fearing, like, you know, animals chasing us and et cetera. And mm-hmm. we now are in that response all the time over over just minutia in our life and our bodies don't know, we have to assist our bodies in, um, and be yeah. intentional about getting back to that. No, it's okay. I'm safe. And let me, you know, reactivate parasympathetic and allow the sympathetic to just take a, take a back seat because it's, it's overworked and then our adrenals get overworked and so, so, so good. And so much to, um, really just be intentional with their, I'm thinking of the woman who may be listening who might think, you know, I'm I'm back where Teresa was when she was just realizing that, you know, being a financial advisor, going at the pace she was going and realizing some of the health conditions that were arising and being exacerbated by the lifestyle she was living. I maybe maybe the listener is in that place and they're like, yeah, I see myself there. What would you say to that person? And this is basically kind of saying to yourself as your previous self, what would you say to that person as to um, maybe next steps to take, next places to shift mindset, kind of feeling in this in the stuck mode and not knowing where to go? What would be your advice to that person? Well, I think the first tool is just the breathing exercise that we did, you know, allowing yourself to, instead of getting on social media, or instead of, you know, if for some reason, you're still a smoker, or, you know, grabbing food, you know, a a lot of people, uh, you know, eat, eat emotionally, instead of doing that, making a conscious choice to just breathe instead. And then see what your body needs. I think that's step number one. Step number two is to make a list of what you value in life. um, Or make a list of what um, not only you value, but that you admire in other people. People that you look up to, mentors. What are their values? And then go through that whole list. Just free write it without, you know, judgment, without trying to stop yourself, write down as many values as you can on a piece of paper, and then look back through that list of values and choose five, choose the five that are most important for you right now. And when we do that, um, you can focus on those values and live your life from those values. So for example, say that I Um, go through this list and I decide one of my top five values is family. If I am presented with a choice 
of, you know, hey, Teresa, do you want to come out and join us for a few drinks? Or, or will you come and do this talk? You know, we, I've got a group of people who's really, you know, who really wants to hear what you have to say. If I am not in alignment with my value of family, I may easily say yes and overcommit myself, which really isn't strengthening the boundaries I have and respecting my, respecting my body. Instead, if I hold that value, firm, that value firmly, then I'm able to set a healthy boundary and say, you know what, I'd love to join you, but I'm going to spend some time with my family tonight. You know, hey, I would love to come and speak to your group, but that, that night doesn't work for me. Is there another night that we can do? When we do this, we are telling our bodies, hey, we really care about you. We trust and value your input. And also, it strengthens my relationship with my family because whatever we value is where we're going to put our attention and it's where we're showing um, whatever that value is. We're saying that's what's really important to us. And so when we have those values in place, when, we're, when they're aligned with the core of who we are, we're able to live more authentically and we're also able to make decisions really easily. You know, I know that a lot of my executive clients, you know, type A people all around, you know, they're results driven, they want to get things done, they're really good at what they do, but they end up overworking themselves because they're not fully aligned with their values. And you know what, and hey, if work is one of your values, then by all means, honor that. But a lot of times, we're more connected with the values that lead us to better relationships. Because as human beings, you know, we're just, we're relationship minded. Everything in life is relationships. And so when we're aligned with whatever values we have, we can start making choices and making changes consciously. Um, you know, those are the two first easy steps. But I think the next step once you've done that and once you start listening to your body, you're able to consciously choose the beliefs, patterns, and perspectives you hold in life. And so, you know, when you start examining those aspects of yourself, sometimes, oftentimes, my clients find that their beliefs, patterns, or perspectives that they don't even want in their life. They're like, how did that get there? And as we explore it, we realize that it was their grandmother's belief or it was their mother's belief. You know, maybe someone was born in the depression era and had this idea of scarcity. And so that belief of scarcity gets passed down through the generations and it's running like a record in the unconscious part of, of your mind. And so when you bring conscious awareness to that, it empowers you to make the choice. Do I really believe in today's modern society that there's scarcity? Or do I want to choose that in my life that there's abundance or that there's possibility or whatever the belief is that you want to hold? And when we change our beliefs, patterns, and perspectives, we're shifting our mindset. And when we do that consciously, we align with who we are at the core of our being, and we allow ourselves to experience life in a new way. 
we allow ourselves to make the decision to leave that really stressful job that pays a great deal of money. When we align with our values, we go, oh, wait a minute. It's really not that important to me to be sick and rich. What's really important to me is to have, to spend time with the people I care about most in life. And to still make money so that I can provide for myself and my family and enjoy, you know, a lifestyle. But maybe it's not making $350,000 a year and flying all over the country for your work. Maybe what it is is to take a job that pays $150,000 a year. Still an incredible income, especially here in the United States and most areas. But then it allows you the space to spend quality time with those people that you love. And when you, like I said, are aligned with those values, it just makes those choices so much easier. Mm, Yes, to all of that. I've made those similar decisions and shifts and pivots in my own life. And I can say that giving yourself, and and what you started with, which was step one is breathe and give yourself the space. And I think that that is such an important first place to start because our thinking mind will go the minute we tell it to go. I mean, it's going when we're not telling Mm -hmm. it to go, right? It's just going. (laughs) So if we can give ourselves the space and really just take a step back from what everyone else is telling us, what all of the noise around us is saying, and really just dive into what we truly, who we are, what we want, what we've envisioned for our future. And like you said, your values. And I love that you gave the example of if if one of your value systems is family and that's up at the higher priority, but yet you're being pulled to do X, Y, Z and you feel like you need to because that's what that's what the successful person on LinkedIn or Facebook is doing. Um, but then you go back like, no, let me take a second. I said that my value was family. And so maybe this isn't the right decision. And so I think that just some of those tangible pieces will help, help people kind of put that into a more... Um, you know, logistical, doable way in their own life. And, um, but yeah, I can't emphasize enough just the quieting down and giving yourself the space. I mean, when do we ever do that? If somebody tells us to meditate for five minutes, we, we literally, the next word out of our mouth is I don't have time to do that. And, and it's really amazing. (laughs) I can't, I can't do that. (laughs) Right. Right. I don't have a degree in meditation. I just literally don't have the skill set to be quiet. And, and, you know, honestly, it's, it's, it's really interesting because it's almost like we have lost. I don't feel like we, we, you know, I definitely think that we as humans are are capable of doing that, but we have decided and, you know, told ourselves that we have lost that ability. We just no longer have the ability to sit quietly. We just can't do it. So, um, remember, I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say that I think that's what happens. You know, we forget that our body is essentially a human recording device. Whatever we tell ourselves is what we do. And that's how those patterns really take hold in our lives. You know, you think about it, our heart beats on its own. Our lungs breathe on their own. All of that stuff is things that are just running through our body unconsciously. And so, you know, it's... when I start speaking with people and bring their attention to the fact that there are these other patterns that are happening in your life. You know, you've been telling yourself that it's okay to go 100 miles an hour in your life. And so your body's doing that. It's, it's just continuing on that feedback loop of going 100 miles an hour. And so I think, you know, slowing down and making those conscious choices 
really helps you to break that record, you know, to, you know, change the record that's playing into something that can be uh, more healthy, more supportive for who you want to be in the future. So I think that's, yeah, an incredible piece. 100%. All of it. So, so good. Thank you so much, Teresa. Before we wrap up though, I do want people to know where they can find you. So tell us all the goodness about where they can find you, your book, your podcast, all the good stuff. Sure. So you can find everything about me and my website, www teresaladato.com. There you can purchase my book if you're looking for ways to increase your emotional intelligence and increase that self-awareness. I have some practices that are really easy that I write about in my book, as well as a technique I created to help you increase that self-awareness. Lots of great tools in that book. It's something that I wrote specifically for my uh, executive and leadership clients. However, as you'll see in the book, it applies to their personal lives as well. And so it's something that all of us can use. Lots of great tools. Um, I also uh, have an eight-week online program that you can utilize that walks you through uh, those tools and the technique you know, I provide um, some guided meditations, you know, for those people who find it difficult to really quiet their mind and to, you know, just allow things to be calm. You know, I provide some guided meditations as well as some tools to help you improve that relationship with yourself. And I'm available for coaching and speaking opportunities as well. But you can find everything on my website. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Teresa. And I will have those links in the show notes. So no worries if you didn't catch that. You're welcome to just go get the written version. I so appreciate your time, your insights, and just your attention to ensuring that we are consciously, intentionally living our lives and giving ourselves the space and honoring the feminine nature that us that we as women often forget. So thank you for the reminders and the insights. Thank you so much for having me. I would like to thank Teresa for joining us this week on the Minding Wellness Podcast. So many great insights and takeaways. I will give you a few of mine and I would love to hear yours. Harmony and balance in relationships and life. Becoming conscious, present, not worrying about outward demand and taking the time to simply breathe. Thank you again for staying with us as we continue to learn more about minding our wellness. I'll see you here again next week.